Um, the reading of today is taken from Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 14 to 20, which is on page 154 in the Church Bibles. When you enter the land of the Lord your God, that the Lord your God is giving you, and have taken possession of it and settled in it, and you say, Let us set a king over us, like all the nations around us. Be sure to appoint over you a king the Lord your God chooses. He must be from your, among your fellow Israelites. Do not place a foreigner over you, one who is not an Israelite. The king, moreover, must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, you are not to go back that way again. He must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. When he takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law, taken from that of the Levitical priests. It is to be with him, and he is to read it all the days of his life, so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God, and follow carefully all the words of the law and these decrees, and not consider himself better than his fellow Israelites, and turn from the law to the right or to the left. Then he and his descendants will reign a long time over his kingdom in Israel." The second reading is taken from 1 Samuel um, chapter 8, which is on page 218 in the Church Bibles. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of, the firstborn, the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah, and they served at Beersheba. But his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, You're old, and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, Give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king, as they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt until they, this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. So they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly, and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, This is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses, and they will run in front of his chariots. Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and others to plow his grounds and reap his harvest, and still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and of your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants. Your male and female servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys, he will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourself will become his slaves. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all other nations, with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. When Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. 
The Lord answered, Listen to them and give them a king. Then Samuel said to the Israelites, Everyone go back to your own town. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Sadie, for reading. Tim, for praying. Do keep uh, 1 Samuel open as we're going to look at that passage. It's, uh, it's only one chapter this time. Just to say next week we'll do chapters 9 to 12. So that's a very long passage and we're not going to read all of it. So why don't you during the week read chapters 9 to 12 and then when you come to the service you will have it in your minds. If that's a, that, that would be a good idea. So chapters 9 to 12 for next time. But uh, let's pray again as we look at this passage. Father, thank you again. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. Pray that we would listen. Pray that you would speak through fallible, weak human words. Uh, Make them your powerful word in our hearts by your spirit. Pray that uh, we would see Jesus and turn to him. In Jesus' name, amen. Great. Now, Here's a situation I once had, and I, I don't know what you think. So I was talking to a, a woman, and she was not a Christian, and uh, she knew I was a Christian, and she uh, asked me, um, can you please pray for me? And wha- what she wanted was well, she struggled to conceive, and so she prayed, can you please pray that uh, I would have a child, that I would have a baby? Now, what, do you th- what, what would you do in a situation? What kind of thoughts would go through your mind? I guess there's the whole kind of, well, if God gives her a baby, hopefully she will see God's power and believe, right? (laughs) Or at the same time, maybe you're afraid. What if God doesn't answer and then she thinks, well, God isn't real? (laughs) I don't know, those kind of things. (laughs) But in general, it's a a good thing to pray for, right? You know, here's a a loving uh, gift uh, of a, uh, a baby. Children are a gift from God. Um, children, you know, uh, be fruitful and multiply. God wants lots of children in the world. Uh, surely they, they, this is a good thing. And yet I, I, I struggled. Uh, I, I felt reluctant. And why? Well, what did she really need? She, wants, she sought her happiness, but where did she seek it? Well, she saw it in a baby. She thought, if I only had a baby, then I'm really happy. And, you know, I'll believe in God if he gives me a baby, because that's what I really want. And so in a way, I felt what I'm doing, I'm, I'm asking God to feed her idol. Uh, and I struggled with that. Uh, idolatry. We talked about it last week with Barry Cooper. Sometimes we seek our happiness in the wrong things. We seek it in uh, created things. We seek it in good things, good things that come from God. Not necessarily in, uh, you know, in other religions, just in good things. And yet we think they are the ones that make, will make us happy. They are the things that give us security. They are the things that will save us rather than God himself. And that's a, yeah, the Bible says that's a problem. It's deceitful. It's subtle. Uh, it is something that God wants to wean us away from. He wants to point us uh, to him. And uh, that's what this passage will be about. Uh, this is uh, 1 Samuel that we're going through after last week's break. Uh, 1 Samuel, it's about God bringing his kingdom. God is going to 
make everything right. He's going to bring a kingdom of peace and love and justice. How is he going to do that? So we're looking back at 3,000 years ago when God did it as well. How did it go back then? What did God do then? And we want to learn from that. But one thing we need to learn is that, well, we need God to do it. And maybe we can't do it ourselves and we look to the wrong things. Uh, that's, uh, the, I think, where we'll be going. Uh, now, a big thing we call this series Search for a King. Often it's a leader that will do it. Right? We, people look to the government to save them. Uh, God will work. It's a kingdom through a king. And today Israel is going to ask for a king. But as we'll see, well, it's going to be the wrong king. Now, what was the situation here? What was the situation? Well, we've seen Samuel over the past few weeks. Uh, he was the, 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 the latest judge, a prophet, uh, even a priest. But he got old. That was the problem, right? Uh, leaders, they get old. And so 8 verse 1, when Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. Uh, he had two sons and he decided, well, uh, if they help me to judge, uh, to lead, then, you know, even though I'm old, it will still work. So I'm, I'm here in the north and they're in the south. Uh, like, okay, I will, I'm in Songsoi, they're in central, and then together we can cover all of Hong Kong. Just a bit bigger. <laughs> but there was a problem. Yeah. 8 verse 3. But his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. A leadership crisis because Samuel's sons, they were not like him. They were corrupt. It's a bit like at the start of the book where we had Eli and his two corrupt sons. And the, there's a foreign attack happening. Israel, we need a leader. And so they come to, uh, to Samuel. Now, be, before we go there, just a, a little pastoral aside, which is, uh, I find it very comforting here that Samuel had two corrupt sons. I don't know if you find that comforting. <laughs> Some of you here, maybe your, you know, your, your children have grown up. And uh, the problem is they're not Christians. They might have professed faith in the past, but now there's no spiritual life to be seen. And maybe, uh, yeah, of course, you're very worried about them. But then you see Eli in chapter 2, and God blames him. Well, your sons are so terrible because you didn't raise them properly. And you feel guilty. Is it my fault that my kids are like this? That my children are now not believers? Well, it's actually very helpful to see that Samuel had corrupt sons, huh? Here is the greatest judge, wonderful, godly man, and his sons were corrupt as well. Now, good parenting is important, and you know it, it, it's, it's terrible, and we need to <laughs> you need to pray, but it's it's not necessarily your fault. Children are saved by grace, that that doesn't run in DNA. Uh, so yeah, don't feel <laughs> guilty necessarily if that's you. Actually, the. Later we'll see Saul. Saul was terrible. He was an awful king. And yet he had a wonderful son. So even if you think, I, I'm, I was such a lousy parent, your kids can still be okay. Because, you know, <laughs> it happened to Saul. But that's just a little aside. That, you know, I talked with someone about that a few weeks ago. They found it very helpful. But ultimately this is not about parenting. Uh, this is about a king. Because the people come and say, give us a king. Huh? Verse 5, they said to him, you're old. Uh, your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, 
such as all the other nations have. They want a king. And if you've been following this series, you should think, yes, a king. Right? What uh, was the previous book about? Judges. What a mess. There's no king. We need a king. The book starts with a prayer. You know, Lord, please send your king. Your, make, exalt the power of your king to come and save us. And now the people ask for a king. Wonderful, right? This is the solution to the book. Finally, they want a king. Except, well, verse 5, when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. Samuel was not happy. He wasn't just displeased as a kind of, oh, we're having shellfish again for dinner or something like that. It was evil in his eyes, <laughs> it says. You know, it, this is an evil thing that they asked for a king. Now that's weird, isn't it? Because as we heard in Deuteronomy, it was fine to have a king. God put in the law, if you want a king, yeah, sure, here's how you do it. Uh, why is it now such a problem? Well, I think God explains it, what's, why this is the wrong king. Uh, verse 7, the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. They're rejecting God, and they're saying, I, we want a king almost instead of him. Now, maybe that doesn't make sense. It helps it's a lot to see what the previous chapters were about. Uh, Samuel, it's a story. I mean, what has just happened? How were they saved? They had some great victories in chapters 5 to 7. How did those victories happen? Because that's what they want. They want a, a king who can fight. Eh? In 8 verse 20, they says, Then we'll be like all the other nations, with a king to lead us, and to go out before us and fight our battles. Uh, we, we want a king to, to fight for us, to save us, to, uh, you know, to, uh, what is it, to give us victory. Well, chapter 5, how did they get a great victory? Well, the Ark of the Covenant of God. Uh, the Philistines had taken the kind of the box that was a symbol of God's presence. And it went all around Philistia and everywhere people were dying. <laughs> and, you know, the gods of, e of Philistia were trashed until they had to send it back because they couldn't bear it anymore. Great victory. No king, no army, just God. Uh, chapter 7, they had a, another great victory. The people were you know, coming together to repent before God, and then the Philistines, a huge army, came and attacked them. And what happened? Well, God thundered from heaven. Boom. All done. Actually, God has saved them these times. God is the one who is their king who saves them. They don't need a human king. They have God. Right? That's the thing here. And so that's why it's almost like they don't want a king under God. They want a king instead of God. Uh, let me give a, I don't know, don't know if that makes sense. Let me give an example. So um, my wife and I, we, we don't, EJ and I, we, we don't have a helper. Because, uh, you know, she works on part-time during school hours. We, we don't need a helper. But it's fine to have a helper. Many families have helpers, and you know, if you both have a, a demanding job and then also kids, yeah, you need a helper. That's fine. But now imagine this situation: that I come home, and EJ has made samgyeopsal. I don't know if that means anything to you. It's a Korean dish, a lovely uh, barbecued pork belly uh, with uh, kind of special sauce, and it's delicious. It's one of my favorite dishes. 
and then she makes it really well. And then brownies for desserts. My wife's a great cook. I, I, I never cook, I'm, but sh- she's great. So uh, my belly's full. We had a lovely meal. And then I say, uh, darling, uh, I've been thinking, shall we, uh, shall we get a helper who can clean and cook nice Filipino food and those kind of things? What would she think? <laughs> would she say, yeah, great. Now, a helper is fine, isn't it? But now I'm... I'm, I'm replacing her. I'm saying to her, <laughs> I want Filipino food. I don't want you. <laughs> right? That's the thing. Or at least when it comes to cooking. I, I, I hope that makes sense. Eh? They want a king instead of God. Because, yeah, it looks like their trust in God has gone. That's it, isn't it? Why do they want a king instead of God? I guess uh, they fail to see God. They, it's the wrong trust. Why do they want a mighty king to save them? They're forgetting actually it's God who saves them. God is the one who saves, maybe through a king, maybe in other ways. But they they don't see that. They just see the human king. And so that's why we need a king. We need a new king. God can use leaders, but they're different leaders. I, I mean, Samuel was a great leader, but he was not a king. And he was not this mighty warrior. I mean, chapter 7, this great victory. Yes, Samuel had a key role. But, but what was his role? I mean, 7 verse 9. Here was Samuel's great military action. Then Samuel took a suckling lamb and sacrificed it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. That was it. Samuel offered a sacrifice and prayed, and that was all he did. He did not touch a sword. He trusted God. His trust was in God. Israel's trust was in God. And they had a great victory. Now they just need a king. Even the king in Deuteronomy. That king is very different. Uh, In Deuteronomy, maybe some of the details were weird. You can have a king, but he couldn't have many horses. Why do you want a king without horses? Well, horses are advanced weapons 3,000 years ago. It's like you, you can have a king, but without missiles and tanks and drones and all that stuff. Basically, a king, he can't have a big army. And he can't have a lot of money that he... Basically, he, he can have a Bible and he needs to read it every day. Why do you want that kind of king? Well, because that's a king who trusts God. And then you have to trust God because you have such a weak king, humanly speaking. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. Our trust should be in God, and, and their problem isn't. They say, no, we want, to be, we want to have a king like the other nations. And they were supposed to be different from everyone else. Why did the other nations have a powerful king? Well, they need to. They don't have a God who can save them. They just have an idol, a stone statue. They need a huge, powerful king. You don't. You have God. But they didn't trust him. They looked, well, to the human means, to the human leader. So this book is not a Republican book. It's not saying a king is a bad idea. No, a king is good, but it needs to be the right king. And now they have the wrong king from the wrong trust. How does that apply to us then? I mean, why does God want to tell them this? Well, if we want to trust God to set up his kingdom, we need to <laughs> see that, you know, we need to trust him and he needs to do it his way. The problem is we so often trust in the wrong things. And, and then 
yeah, we, we miss what God is doing. And we miss how God actually works. Even with Jesus, right? Jesus was not the powerful king. He came on his donkey and the palm branches. And they, they didn't want him because he wasn't the kind of the great king who's going to kick out the Romans. Huh? They, they, they miss, we shouldn't miss what God is doing. Our trust needs to be in God and in his ways. Now, how do we do that? Well, let's think about our church. How is our church going to grow? We, we want our church to grow. We want to see people saved. How is that going to happen? And, you know, of course, we, you read the Bible. Well, we need to preach the gospel. We need to pray. We need a loving community. But how about things like music and the quality of the preaching and, and the location and the, the service time and the brochures and the name tags? And these are all good things. You know, it's good that we have those. But it's easy to think we see a much bigger church. Oh, well, they're much bigger because of the music and because of this and because of that. And we think that is what they need, what we need. But music doesn't save people. Uh, Preaching, well, it's God's word, but it's not like how much preparation I've done in some ways. Uh, I should prepare, but if I spend all my time preparing... My, my words are just words. I, I need to pray. I need God to do it, right? Uh, a building should be convenient, yes, but if we can't have the right building, that's okay. Because God can still grow His church. He can still save people. And do you see, we often, f- we often trust in the wrong things. We think that's what we need. No, we just need God. God can work through all these things. Maybe the situation in Hong Kong. I mean, that's something that's on our minds. We want freedom. We want peace. How will we get those things? Well, God says they're found in the gospel. You know, real peace and freedom are found there. And so, you know, people need the gospel and we need to pray. (laughs) And if we want political change, well, it's going to come again through prayer, through sacrificial love. That's what God uses. But if we forget God and just think, well, we need to do it by our own strength, by our own human power, then, well, we'll, we'll, we're not going to love people, right? We're going to use violence and uh, insults and, and forceful repression because that's the only thing we can do. Then it just becomes about human strength. No, we need to use God's means. Or just maybe in our personal lives. How is God going to provide for you? How is he going to give you security? Now, God gives us work. Work is a gift. God loves work. He's a worker. He gives us work to do. But so so often we think, well, we we leave God out. And, well, the the way I have security, the way I have provision is is just through my work. So I need to work as hard as possible uh, because that's what's going to save me. That's what's going to provide for me. Rather than thinking, well... It's under God. I will do it God's way. And if God says, well, that's the wrong kind of job and you shouldn't work so hard, well, okay, we, we don't, you know, so some of us, of course, we're stuck. We can't, you know, we can't stop change our working hours. But some of us, we just work too hard because we think it's all up to me and my job. No, God provides for us and we can trust him. In so many ways, I can see it in myself. I, I I've stopped trusting God. I, I just look at the things I do, especially when I do ministry. I'm often convicted, you know. I'm doing this, oh, have I prayed? 
And uh, that shows that I just think it's all about me. Just in the power of Niels, which is no power at all. And it matters, not just because it's an insult. If I think I can do it, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm replacing God. Actually, it's going to cost us, right? Why not? It's the wrong outcome. Look at what uh, Samuel says to them. You want a king? You want this kind of powerful king? Well, this is what he's going to do. Listen to everything that he will take from you, right? The key word of that speech was take. Corrupt kings, they take I mean, God is a giver. You know, you want God to save you. You just need, uh, well, rain and sunshine. And then you get thunder. And he can thunder and send the Philistines away. But you want a human king? He needs an army. Where is he going to get his army from? From you. And so, well, this is what the king will claim as his rights. Uh, You heard it. Verse 11. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses. Verse 13. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and of your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants. Your male and female servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys, he will take. And he will take, he will take, he will take, he will take. He's going to take everything from you. And end of 16, uh, end of 17, he will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his slaves. You want this king to free you. He's not going to free you. He's going to take everything from you and enslave you. Because, because he can't save you. Everything that he has has to come from you. So he's going to take and, and you'll be enslaved. Barry said last week, um, if we worship something else than God, he will, it will eat us alive. It will take everything from us. Everything in your bank account has to be put in there by you. I don't know, here in church, it's, it's great if we just pray and love people. Uh, that doesn't cost anything. You know, if we think oh, we need to improve the quality of all we do, where does it stop? You know, what building do we need if we think the building's going to save people? Bigger and more expensive, it will cost us everything. Or we need to hire professional musicians who spend the whole week rehearsing. And we need to hire One Direction just to, you know, (laughs) no, of course not. God will do it. God is free in a way. That is the thing. If I prepare my sermon and I think it's really up to me, I spend the whole week stressed. Saturday is my day off. Instead, I'm stressing about preaching. Why? You know, God will do his work. (laughs) <laughs> it just, it, it's so costly to depend on yourself, to depend on human things. Just trust God. But no, you don't trust God, the wrong outcome. Uh, th- they didn't listen. That's the thing, isn't it? God warns us about these things. They didn't listen. Will we listen? How when, when God says, this, don't go there, do we say no? Uh, do, or do we say, yes, Lord? Uh, God says, okay, you want a spouse? This is the kind of person you should marry. Do we uh, listen or do we not? This is the kind of work you should do. and This is how you should work. Do we listen or not? If we don't listen, that's a very good sign that we've, <laughs> we've stopped trusting, right? That we think, no, no, I need this. I don't care what you say, God, I'm, I, I need this. 
This may, we may not say it like that, but that's what we are thinking. Or, or if we're not praying, again, if I'm preparing but not praying, if your, your, your work is all about work and, and you never actually pray about it and leave it with him, it shows you're not trusting. Yeah. And it, this is a challenging passage. This is, yeah, it's so subtle. I can see it. No, I'm, I'm not following Buddha. I'm not following Molech or Baal. I'm not following foreign gods. And yet, I can see a lot of idolatry in my heart. Uh, we can all see that. Now, the people didn't respond well here. How would God respond, though? How does God respond when they reject him? What would you expect? He says, don't take this king. And the people says, no, we will have a king. What does God say? Interestingly, God says, okay. Now, did you hear that? Verse 22, the Lord answered, listen to them and give them a king. I don't know if you think God is being just, uh, he gives up. Or that God is just very agreeable, you know, if that's what you want, that's fine. Uh, I don't think so. We've just heard how bad a king is, right? <laughs> We've just seen this king, he's going to take everything from you. <laughs> so for him to, to say, okay, you can have this king, I don't think it's a nice thing actually, isn't it? It's a way God's going to teach them a lesson maybe. We'll see. I mean, it's not done yet, isn't it? At the end, Samuel says, everyone go back to your own town. We need to see what's going to happen. What is God going to do? What kind of king will they get? Again, come back next week. Again, read chapters 9 to 12. Yeah, we're going to do all four chapters. Read them at home. We need to see what God will do. But, but I, I hope you'll see now, actually, God will not give up on them. God loves them too much. And we know that later on, God will send the king they want, right? David, the man after God's heart, and they'll have a beautiful kingdom. And even for us, right? Everything we've done, all the ways we go astray, and yet God sent Jesus. God sent Jesus the, well, he was the perfect king, right? And yet he was, he seemed weak, especially when he died on the cross. And yet this was how God saved us, not our way. Not by human power, but by God's power. He wasn't a human king apart from God. He was actually God and man in just one. And he perfectly met the needs of the people no god god is gracious god is committed it's just that we need sometimes need to learn the lesson so i, I hope that's what we will do that we'll keep reflecting you know look at your life look at what do you really trust in but then come to jesus come to jesus for forgiveness for freedom uh, for peace uh, come to him and see that everything you need is in him as we've been singing and as we'll sing again. Yeah, because, yeah, God, God loves us too much <laughs> to leave us. So uh, why don't we stand? And the music team will come up. And let's pray. Uh, let's praise Jesus. In Christ alone my hope is found. It's a wonderful song. So, uh, yeah. This is also our offering time, by the way. So if you are a church regular, this is... One way that you can contribute to the ministry here, if you don't do it like by bank transfer. If you're a visitor, please just pass the bag along because um, we want you to just be blessed and to receive, not to give. But uh, let's sing this great song together.
and finish looking to Jesus.